Hello, everybody. This is John Burns with New Heights 360, and I have a very special guest today who I've been very excited about getting on here. In the last few months, her and I have become very good friends through an experience we shared together at the John Maxwell team. She's currently a coach and a minister, and she has a lot of great insights and things to share to help elevate others and to bring more value to people's life. And with that, I would like to introduce Charlene Waddell. Hello, Charlene. Hi, John. How are you? I'm so pumped to have you on the show today. This has been like kind of waiting, like the days are going really slow. Um, you and I have a, a special connection through uh, some training we did at the John Maxwell team. And oddly enough, we've, we've become fast friends, even though we've not met in person. We communicate yes. via text. Sometimes we're on the same mentorship calls. So it's always, uh, always great to hear from you and, and speak with you. Yes, and likewise, yes. So you've been with the John Maxwell team since 2015? Yes, yes. And you're a minister as well? Yes. So they kind of work hand in hand, so to speak. Uh, yeah, I find that it's, uh, it's not been a difficult transition because it's all about serving people and, you know, helping people come into an awareness about certain aspects of, your, of their life. That's what's, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I find it interesting because John Maxwell, for me, that the whole program seemed like a perfect fit uh, for what I was looking for and pretty much what I'm about as a person. So their whole program, their culture, their training, everything is very much geared, in my mind, to service. Yes. And to helping others. And I understand that You've been working since the age of five. Yes. <laughs> you got me beat, Charlene. I didn't start until I was about 10 or 11. I've probably been about 60 years. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, she's been working since she was five. I thought I had it rough as a child. But Charlene done trump me on that. And uh, it's, it, it appears through your bio that you had a lot of entrepreneurial characteristics very early on, uh, from ironing to babysitting cousins, nieces, nephews, yes. aunt to the store and the laundromat. And it, it, it seems like you had quite a few hustles going on, even as a... Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> you know, it didn't become more apparent until I started thinking about it. I said, oh, I was actually in business for myself. But back then, there's not that awareness. You're just, you know, finding um, ways, you know, because I was, I was reading an article and it was saying how one of the attributes of a leader is their resourcefulness and sometimes you have to be very resourceful when you're actually you know wanting to get something accomplished and I and I really just came into that awareness of how resourceful I was and how how, how soon it started yeah absolutely and I, I know for me uh, we did not grow up wealthy by any means mm -hmm. to this day I cannot stand the sight of powdered milk or you too <laughs> Or block cheese or powdered yes. eggs. All those things, uh, for those that you don't that don't know, back in the sixties and seventies, that was their idea of government aid. And it all came yes. in like brown boxes and was not the best tasting. However, it did did serve its need with, with getting some basic uh, nourishment and proteins. But that being said, there was not a lot of uh I guess, encouragement from my standpoint, mm -hmm. you know, as uh, far as earning money and things of that nature. But I do recall probably around the age of 10 or 11, my mom said that I would no longer be getting an allowance. Wow. So if I wanted to make any money, there was a lawnmower and a gas can out in the garage. So that, that, that was my early exposure to, I guess, starting a business because I went out and hustled cutting grass for like $5 a yard. And it, it sounds like your childhood was very similar in that. Uh, yes. Uh, that I, well, we didn't get an allowance. It was nine of us. Well, <laughs> so I, we didn't, didn't get, I, I didn't <laughs> really get, get one either. I, we I were got, allowed to live in the house. <laughs> well, I got the, 
you might get an allowance next week. But uh, truthfully, in, in, in all honesty, uh, I never did really get an allowance. Uh, like I said, we, we come from pretty humble beginnings. And mm -hmm. most of whatever we acquired was through hustling and scratching and what have mm -hmm. you. But, you know, the truth is everybody I grew up with was pretty much in the same boat. I didn't grow up in a neighborhood where everybody was particularly well off. We all struggled. I think our first house was roughly... 450 square feet for four people mm -hmm. no basement that's small yeah that's, that's that's a little house very very basic but i was a kid i didn't know any better there was a lot of other kids and we had fun and i i didn't really truthfully think of my life as being all that rough so to speak i look back now and i think yeah it's quite a bit different than my own kid's life but so you started at the age of five and by the age of 15 you were earning money, doing those different things. Yes. And you became a coordinator for Church's Fried Chicken, a training manager. Yes, yes. So tell us a little bit about that. What was that? That's, by the way, in St. Louis, that's one of my favorite fried chicken places. Well, I was, uh, I was in college and of course I wanted to work. And so right next to the college was a church's fried chicken. So I, I went in and applied and, and they hired me. And so I was so fascinated by the process and, and, and what they were doing. I wanted to learn everything. And so I just, I'm a quick uh, absorber. I absorb everything. If you teach me something, I, I just take it in like a sponge. And so by the time I was in there six months, I was uh, three months a crew chief, uh, six months an assistant manager. And I worked several stores. They have these little cars that say, tell us. And I had no idea the service, you know, uh, doing the service, that people were actually sending these cars in, telling them about the service that they received and how, you know, they were being treated. And so at some point, um, after being there for a while, uh, I went to another store, one of the highest volume stores in Chicago, and I was working there, and still I was getting more feedback from them, so they needed somebody to take the region that actually knew the process, and they had um, a program from the back door to the front door, meaning from the time every product comes in to when it goes out the front door, they wanted me to head that up. And so I would travel between Indiana and Chicago, training managers, really showing them the process. And so I'm a very process-oriented person. <laughs> I didn't know that until recently. I, I'm very process-oriented. And I just, like I said, it, it just made good sense to me. And so, and that's what I started doing. Uh, they just, they, they chose me over quite a few people, which I didn't know until they came and they had a meeting with all the reps and all the store managers because I was, a, uh, uh, was two managers in a store and I was one of them. And uh, I wasn't posturing, I was just happy to be serving. <laughs> and so I had no idea that they were looking at me that way. And so that's what I began to do, so, yeah. Well, about what year was that roughly? And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in no means trying to, to date you, <laughs> by, but you know, for perspective purposes, today is a whole lot different than it was back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, and that was 1973. Which when you think about that time and you know, no offense, but in, in, in the spirit of that period, you had two strikes against you as far yes. as business went. And what, right. were those, what were those two strikes? Well, one, as uh, I found that my challenges when I, I started out, well, it was really three, I was young. Okay. And a lot, I worked for a lot of older, I worked with a lot of older people sure. and, and, but I would, I gained experience really quick. I was good at what I did, but then I realized that the older people wanted to work with the older manager. They didn't really want to work with me. Then I was a female oh, <laughs> and oh, I was oh, a person okay. of color. So, Oh you know. my gosh. Holy cow. And for so, 73, you know, that's, that's, that's like cutting edge there when you really think about it. And you know, for any young people that might be listening in, uh, that was a big deal. And that, that really shows kind of what Charlene's potential was early on. I mean, that's just remarkable for that. Yeah, and I went home crying. Almost, they wouldn't let them see me cry, but I, after that, that day was over, I went home crying. <laughs> almost every day I would go home and I was like, what is wrong? <laughs> and I, I was in a leadership position 
And I think I was afraid to take the lead because I was taught to respect your elders, you know, and so I had this dichotomy here, you know, uh, you're presenting yourself and you have to deal with older people. But then I realized I know what I'm doing. I, I understand the process, you know, uh, I was chosen for this. I didn't seek it. It, it found me. And I, one day I walked right up my mind, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to step into this role and I'm going to, I'm going to do what I'm here to do. And so I actually went in and I said, Hey, either you want to work for me? If I'm have to do all the work, you can go home. I don't have to pay you. I can just, and so <laughs> I just. Charlene this- done laid the law. <laughs> <laughs> So. That's awesome, though. I mean, you know, my mom was a single mom, and I, I think about her struggles in the in the 70s with two kids mm-hmm. by herself, and she did not have any college back then. And my gosh, she had to work like 10 times as hard as the men of that time yes. just to get half of what they were getting, which, you know, is totally improving these days. But back then, it was just a very male, chauvinistic-oriented business world. And it, it was tough for women, whether of color or not, to get any type of position as far as leadership and management. So compliments to you, because you, you must have been extremely skilled for that time period to have been elevated to that position. Well, I'm thankful for the store manager that looked at me and didn't see any difference. And now that we're talking, I really realized he took a chance. He really uh, just said, okay, no, you can do this. He really, you know, and and as I look back, he gave me that opportunity. And um, so I'm I'm grateful because I could see his face today. And, and, you know, he was just, okay, let's do this. Let's try this. Why don't you do this? And let me show you this. And so he was willing to train me and, 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 you know, and mentor me. And thinking back now, I mean, it was uh, uh, taking a big step for him as well. So I appreciate it. What, what, a, what a great example of leadership, though, when you, when you really think about that, because even, even today, a lot of companies and organizations lack leadership. Mm-hmm. Yes. But for back then, you almost, almost want to know where this guy came from, truthfully, because that was so unusual for that time period. Yes, and I, and I think when you see that people are teachable, um, most leaders want to be able to pour in. And if they're really true leaders, they want to add value, bring people up to a level. And not knowing what I know now, being part of John Maxwell team and, and a part of the, and I had a, a mentor uh, in the, even in the ministry world that looked at me and said, okay, there's something here in this person. Uh, to the point that they, they, I was sent to San Diego to start, you know, to help start the work here and, and raise up leaders and uh, set the church up. So oh, church is fried chicken and church. What, what, what? <laughs> you, you got a lot of church in your life. Oh, church, I know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but when people see potential and they're not afraid to cultivate it and, and, and bring it out, draw out of you. And so I've had leaders and mentors like that. For some reason, they were drawn and, and they felt like they, you know, could trust me with some things and put me in charge of things. And, and where I may not even saw it in my own self. You know, so, yeah. yeah, that's that's very interesting. So how how did you end up in San Diego? Is that where you originally started or where, where are you from originally? How, what what what's the steps to the journey that got you to San Diego? Uh, well, I uh, I'm from Chicago. Born and raised. Best pizza uh, around. Yes, born and raised in Chicago. <laughs> a lot of experiences there. Uh, um, I was at a point in my life I needed, something needed to happen. And so almost really 34 years ago, uh, that's when I knew life was old, it was tired, and I needed to change. And that's how I wound up in the particular ministry that, that I was in. But it was a training place. It was always training us. And I mean, leadership training. Every time you look up, it was training, training. We were just thrown into training. Uh, had a ministerial school, everything. So, and me, hungry, greedy, whatever you want to call it. Sure. <laughs> I just you're, wanted, you're taking it all in, huh? Taking it all in, and 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 and, and just I just felt like sometimes I I felt like whether subtly or systematically, I was always put in a situation. He would go out of town. Can you teach my man's class? I'm thinking, all these men, you want me to teach your man's class? Or 
Yo, I'm going out of town. Can you go out to our Waukegan church and can you just keep an eye on them? You know, so he was subtly throwing me, you know, into situations. And I felt like I was, I was on this test journey. And in 1998, uh, he was thinking about coming to San Diego. And he told me, you know, you're, he said, you're going to San Diego. <laughs> did, did you know that? I said, oh, I know that now. And uh, so we were starting a work. We didn't have people. We didn't have a church. We didn't have anything. Now we're going to 20 years. And we just installed the last four or five years a, a new pastor because I oversaw the church for 15 years. So that's how I got there, uh, just following, uh, you know, just being open. And and I just felt it was right when I came here, you know, and I I, I made the transition and I, I made the move, just trusting my leadership that, they, you know, that the work was good. So that's, that's very interesting. So when you... How did explain to me how you got tied in to John Maxwell, and what 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 was kind of your goal originally, and how has that goal changed currently? Okay, well i I came to San Diego, and that was ninety nine. I uh, I facilitated three large crusades here, so you know just to get the ministry introduced to the area, and I went in a bookstore. And they had all these John Maxwell materials, VHS, uh, you know, books, you know, netbooks, and even, you know, and it was developing the leaders around you and developing a leader within you. And I just began to connect with John Maxwell, uh, enjoy Leadership Wired, um, uh, anything that was John Maxwell, it was just like, okay, that's, that was my hunger then. I, and so I began utilizing those things because I came here to raise up and train up and equip, I, you know, so that's how I got introduced to John Maxwell. I went to a simulcast that uh, he had out at uh, one of the churches in um, the San Diego area. And I mean, it was just fascinating to me to participate in that, knowing he had been a pastor here in San Diego and he had left at 95, but reading his testimony about how he built that work and how he had the team of people. So fast forward, 2015, I'm looking to retool. I felt like things were changing. It was time to shift. You know, it was time for that transition for me and another leader. And I wanted to retool. So my whole reason for John Maxwell was to retool. And somewhere inside of me, I was saying, I need to retool because obviously I'm going to be making a shift, right? Were you thinking of it on a business standpoint or just? Uh, no, just to reach to, I said, maybe there's something more I need to do. And I hadn't put it all together. And the more I got involved with John Maxwell, I, I saw the advertisement. I called the check and some of the language I didn't understand about the working for the John Maxwell team. I wonder, am I working for them? What, what is it? <laughs> is it multi-level marketing? What's the whole schematic? So I called back and program coordinator, you know, I called him and asked several questions and I told him, I'll tell you what, I'll call you back at the end of the month. I'm in, you know, it wasn't that they had to sell me once I understood the program, what it was about. I knew that's where I wanted to go. I was checking other of life coaching. I checked several organizations, uh, some I won't name, but I checked some pretty well known. And this seems like home. It seemed like this is where I needed to be. I had no idea the wealth of uh, information and uh, the depth of the program until I actually got in it, but I knew it was where I needed to be. And so a couple, maybe the next year, matter of fact, 2016, I really saw myself starting a business. I actually, that's when I launched my name, my, my Charlene Speaks, and, and I just been working on getting that established, but it, I didn't come in starting thinking about a business, but I'm thinking if I'm doing all of this, where am I going to put it? I need... <laughs> I need to have some place to put it. And so might as well be getting might as well be getting paid if you're going to be putting all the time into it. Yeah, so that's a business was birthed and formed out of that whole uh, learning and growing and the you know what we get from the team. So just all that encouragement and even more mentoring and training because you never you never get you never outgrow mentors. You never outgrow having someone in front of you. Um, so that's how I got started with the whole Maxwell team and how I didn't come in for a business, but um, here I'm 65 plus, start, I've started a business. and uh, You don't look a day over 38. Uh oh. 
I don't know. <laughs> you got some. You got some good genes, Charlene. Oh yeah, this life has seen a lot of things, and if it's that way, you know, I do want to thank God for that. Um, I'm a 13 year cancer survivor, so uh, anything that someone says, I know it's just grace. I, I'm not here because, you know. <laughs> so uh, I'm thankful. Thank you. Oh well, thank you. I mean, you know, the thing is, so you you just briefly brought up that you're a 13 year cancer survivor. And I guess I look at from my own perspective with my life, like I've always felt like I'm so in charge of things going on. However, when something like that occurs, that comes completely out of left field. Yes. And that, Way out of left field. <laughs> would you agree though, that that was like a real, real basis of true powerlessness when that occurred? Well, well, I would agree because it's, it's, it, it, something happens and, and you have no idea. Uh, John, if you, if, if just the things that I was doing that year, I felt like I had hit my stride. I felt like I hit my momentum. I was the moving the ministry forward. I mean, it was growing. And then I'm, I mean, literally, and just in one month alone, I was in San Francisco. Then we were doing a, a large youth event, feeding 135 families to Business Expo. I went to Chicago for a wedding, came back with a three-day women's conference. And so I'm walking around, and then the next day, just one day, what a difference a day makes. And I've heard, there's a song, what a difference a day makes. It's 24 sure. hours going for a, 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 what I'm thinking is outpatient. I'm going to find out what's, you know, going on. And then I'm going to take three week vacation before I head to Philadelphia. Uh, Cause I started helping the other locations in our organization and to find out now I'm rushed to the hospital. Um, they say it's colon, it's cancer. It's in and out of the colon. I mean, just, it was so quickly. I was here. I am active to totally being inactive to not being able to care for myself, not able to, you know, just the, the, the one surgery led into another surgery, then it was, you know, just kidney failure, blood infection. It was just so many things that just hit where I, it not, you know, I'm walking around. I'm thinking, how can you be walking around and flying around and then you're actually dying at the same time? It was, it was kind of a real surreal moment. Yeah. So, yeah, out of left it's, field. It's, it's really, yeah, and it's really wild to think about that you were just, active and involved and like you said you were getting into your stride and probably yeah. already looking ahead at the weeks and months and years of just the things you were going to accomplish and yes th this was like someone just slammed the brakes on yes your, your life yes and subsequently i'm assuming that 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 switched some of your courses in life leading up to today or um, well, you know what, I think it made me look back in um, retrospect, I look back and uh, I remember saying to God, I said, so what are we doing now? <laughs> you know, I know we're partners, so what are we doing now? What, what's, what's this now? You know, I know he's taking me, I mean, challenging me to come to San Diego was one. Uh, just the things that, you know, it's like he nudges me along, sort of like, okay, well, he knows if he throws it straight at me, <laughs> it might be an issue. So then I'm thinking, I said, so what are we doing now? And, and when I went into it, um, I didn't have to come out. I was two years down. I mean, and literally I was down two years. And I, I, I said somewhere in having a conversation, I said, when this is over. Now, it was the weirdest thing, but in myself, it was saying, when this is over, something internally said, this is going to be over. Now, I had no idea how, I had no idea what way. I mean, I had to go into chemo. I, I told them, please pray. I don't want to have a liver surgery. I had half my liver removed. So, I mean, I lost more body parts. Oh <laughs> it was like a siege almost. And I mean, from my liver, my gallbladder, my part of my colon, small bowel, my appendix. I mean, I lost more organs and I'm thinking, okay. Anything else, <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm talking about it, but at, at, at the time, I mean, I really, it was, it happened so quickly and I was thrown into it so quickly. And then I, when I started chemo, so I had uh, to go back into a second round of chemo, uh, but 
I'm I'm here. I don't I can't really even explain how deep it was and how unexplainable it was to, to be walking around doing everything I'm doing and cancer was in my colon and it was already in my liver. And I'm and I I and I that they told me I was a healthy cancer patient. Can you get that on that's a real oh oxygen? Were, were you continuing to do all your leadership things and participating in all the activities? Well, when, no, I think after the first, uh, they would only consult me if they needed to. Uh, for the most part, I just, I just took the time to work on getting where I needed to go. I didn't try to go in and try to facilitate. I wasn't trying to prove anything. You know, the people were trained. Um, they were equipped. Uh, basically, you know, the church continued to grow. I think that they were holding out instead of taking that contingency and just putting someone in in my spot. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they were holding that space for me. Sure. Or what have you? Uh, so that just I had a lot of support and a lot of encouragement. I mean, they were around the clock, twenty four seven help. You know. Um, so for me. Uh, but in that time, I was thinking something needs to change. I, I don't want to go back to the way I was doing things. I don't want to go back to, um, I, I needed a shift. I needed to do something a different way. The same, do what I do, but find a different way to do it. And I think that's what John Maxwell sort of hit that. It took me a while, even after that, uh, going back to find this spot because it, uh, I, I went back in that same fervor when I finally, it took me a while to get back on my feet to go the way I want. And I was back in that same, but I was inside of me saying, no, you don't want to do this again. You don't want to go at it this way. And so John Maxwell came along at the right time. for me. So where are things at for you right now, as far as what, what, what's Charlene's status right now with what you're doing in your life? Because you've got all this experience and history with the church, with leadership, leadership building, mm -hmm. coaching, mentoring, and just kind of fill us in where, where Charlene is today. Well, Charlene is right now, well, I've become more aware of Charlene. Oh. Uh, yeah, I have a very interesting story. Um, I... Um, my name was never put on my birth certificate. Really? No. And, and it wasn't until I applied for my passport years later that it became an issue. <laughs> and what I, was on your birth and certificate? I, I thought about that. I said, how do, you, how, how do you have a birth certificate with no name? And then even after I was named, why didn't they put it on there? But there was a lot of interesting things around my birth and th things like that. I, I didn't find out about my father until I was 31, a father that I never knew. I grew up with a father, but not my father. Oh, okay. And I was struggling at that time uh, because I was at the point of ordination. And I, I said, nobody in my family, we're all, they're all heathens. We live crazy. Why, how am I going to be a minister? <laughs> I'm thinking, no. So I was kind of hesitant. And when I went my... Almost when my mom told me, and I met my dad, he was a preacher. Oh I mean, things happen when they were younger and life changed, you know, and so people were at a different place. And so I found out my grandfather was a preacher. I had uncles, aunts, and cousins, and everybody, that, that, that's the area. And, and here I am being drawn that way, but not knowing that's part of my legacy. That's not part, that's part of who I am. And so it just filled in that blank for me. It just made it more acceptable and reasonable to go that way. And so here I am now, uh, he was able to come to my first ordination. I've had a, I've had a couple, a few. <laughs> and um, so, but it started to complete me. It started to bring me to a place of where I can see my purpose, see why I'm here. Because and everyone has that inner struggle. I don't care how much you think you know. There's a place, and you said, "Is this really where I should be?" So I'm at peace with the minister part. But then there's another side of me with a lot of gifts and talents that I haven't explored. So right now I'm in that place where I want to. I'm retiring fully next year, full time in business, serving uh, 
different areas because every where there's a deficit, where there's a need, where I can add the most value. So I want to see me fully in my purpose and helping people with theirs. So that's where Charlene, the part, the person that I know now, the person I know her name, <laughs> the person that's that's why I I don't know. I kept wrestling with Charlene speaks. But Charlene has a voice. Charlene has been quiet. Charlene kind of tends to go in. And so I want to fully live out and, and fully live out who I am. It is no coincidence that I'm still here after the number two killer in the world didn't kill me, didn't take me out, which is colon cancer. I'm still here after 13 years when so many of my friends have passed away, even my, my overseer, my spiritual father. I lost him in the last couple of years. So, um, I'm here for a reason, and I want to fully live that out. I don't want to waste a moment of it in obscurity, um, not really doing what I'm put here to do. And so that's my passion right now, um, letting go of things that don't serve me, uh, letting go of places, people, places, and things that don't serve me, but fully serving God and my purpose and people. That's where Charlene is right now. It do doesn't it energize you, though, when you finally start recognizing what your purpose yeah. is because yes. you described my life not directly but just the fact that i was kind of like going a hundred thousand miles an hour i was obviously on a mission but mm -hmm. no one really told me what that mission was like yes. i didn't even know it's like i was just going hard at it but it's like really no idea what even my purpose on this earth was Yes. And I wouldn't say that I'm like in a place now where, oh, I'm all knowing and I know exactly what my purpose is. But I do know that helping people is something that, that is a big part of my purpose. And that, that's, a, that's what fuels most of my days now. And I get, I get so much more reward out of that because yes. I think you could agree ourselves and even people we know spend so much time chasing shiny objects. Yes the car, the house, yes. the neighborhood, the boyfriend, the husband, the wife, this, this will fill my cup. This will complete me. This will, this will be that. And I can share from my own experience that none of that stuff works. It, it might work temporarily, but in the long run of life, it really does nothing. Yeah. I think you can operate in satisfaction and still have a holy discontent because you need resources. We need to be resourced to do a lot of the things that we want to do. And so we have to have that healthy balance. But I realized, yes. uh, John, that you know what? Um, coming through that, you know, um, it's this movie called Things Are Lost in the Fire. And I could say it's things I found in the fire. Because sometimes when you lose things, you find other things that you were looking for but hadn't found. So I think it was some things that I was searching for that when this fire hit, yeah, I lost some things. I lost uh, quite a few things. But at the same time, I gained a whole lot of things. I gained a perspective that, you know what? If life blows up, if it burns up, at the end of the day, what can you salvage out of it? What can you take from it? And, and, and I, I realized you know what, I'm not clamoring for things and things like that, but I, I, I really want to fully live out what I'm here for. So I find, if anything, I found me in it. I found uh, what matters to me most, which is family, my spiritual life, my relationship with God, and, and, so, and, and, and being a part of uh, serving people. And this is a, we used to say there's an underserved community, but right now I feel like the whole world is being underserved. Oh you know, my gosh. Yes. I mean, you, know, and, you, you and, go and, out, you go out in any, any circumstances, whether yeah. it's church, networking, organizations, people we even know, it's yeah. like people are starving Yes. for, for some leadership, some guidance, some mentorship, you know, and, and you and I have a full supply. And sometimes we don't realize <laughs> that you are a resource. You really become a resource and everything is not always at cost. But then, you know, there's times, you know, you do, you, you want to be able to serve a community of people who want your service and, and really, you know, get compensated for it. But at the end of the day, you still are a resource and you, there's so much you can do being a resource. And like, the, I hear that being a, a, a 
a river, not a reservoir, not everything all stocked up, dammed up, but then being able to keep it flowing. And it was something that I just thought about what John Maxwell was saying about when he had a heart attack. He said he believed God. But after he went through that process, he knew God. And so if anything, this solidified for me is I know God. I know I, I know why, I know who who created me. I know that he did it with intent and he was intentional and that it's not a mistake. I'm not, a, I, I, even though my birth was seemingly a mistake, I'm not a mistake. I'm here on purpose. That bringing me through all of that showed that there, there's so much purpose for me. So for me at this point, John, I it's not even about me. <laughs> That's the funny part. It's not even about me. You know, it's, sometimes it feels like it's about you, but it's so little to do with you. So much more to do with why we're put here. And, and I think when we discover that and, and, and start moving in that, I think, I believe the other things will come, you know, but the focus has to be in the right place. Your heart has to be in the right place. So that's. That's you know. awesome. Yeah. I know my first mentor, this was many years ago. One of my first mentors, Cliff. I used to tell him about all the things I didn't have control over in my life. And uh, he's, at the time, I lived in Southwest Florida. So he said, I want you to go out tonight to the, to the edge of the ocean on the, on the, on the sand. I said, okay, I'm listening really intently. You know, this is my mentor. Like he's, he's going to give me some real power here. And he says, I want you to go out and I want you to try to hold those waves back. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then he hung up then he hung up the phone and i thought what it's like but then when i really started thinking about it how much of that is life yeah that you you really don't have any control over so much stuff and if, if you think you do go out to the ocean and try to hold some waves back you're you're, you're not even gonna hold a little bitty one back no no it's gonna wash over you <laughs> right but i just thought that that was such a smart way that he and that's always that was 1989 that he told me that yeah. and, and to, then, this, to this day it sticks with me and then and then what it does is it opens you up to see you know what what are we trying to control what i mean life comes at you fast it comes oh. at you hard and 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 how much of it do you get to stop now what you can do is you the only thing you can control is your reaction to it or your response to it Absolutely. And I'm finding that I want to be more responsive than reactive uh, because it's, it's like when you step back and take a moment and then see how you're going to respond to life. And um, like I said, all I knew is somewhere in me, this was going to be over. I didn't know how, I didn't know where, I, I couldn't control all of the things. I didn't want the liver surgery. I didn't want them to take half my liver. I didn't want chemo. And so I was trying to figure out ways to live without doing some of the things that I felt like I couldn't, that I, I couldn't control. And I just, I had to go with it if I was going to live. Some of the things I had to do, I just had to go with it. And what if I didn't? Uh, what if I could have said, oh, no, I don't want this to happen. I don't want that to happen. What would I be, you know, if I tried to control everything? Well, I have to say, Charlene, when you and I were thrown into this collaborative situation, yes, thrown, tossed. <laughs> yeah. Both of us were like, what did we get ourselves into? But regardless, I, I had never met you before or even had a conversation with you, mm -hmm. but I, I can tell you that even in that first connection, yes. you just have this energy about you that just kind of pulls you in, okay. you know, and I know some people here are listening. If you could see Charlene's face, I mean, she's like and, and just light and smiling. And it just really, you're like the whole deal. Oh, well, oh. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know why I smile. I do that all the time. Sometimes we say, why are you always smiling? I have no idea. I'm really clueless. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I have, I guess a lot of things I could be frowning over, uh, in some cases crying over. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. We could all do a little bit of that. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just, um, I, I, I don't know. I guess, like I said, going through that fire, you know, um, sure. it's, you know, you get to, you get to, you get to choose, you get to decide. 
No one decides how you're going to be or how you're going to show up. You get to. And it doesn't matter what the world's doing. If the world is frowning, fighting, doing whatever, you get to. You get to choose how you're going to be. And that's the only way you're going to impact people is when you choose and you decide how you're going to show up. And so that's that's kind of my whole little philosophy. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody well, I, might think that, that that's not the best way to be, you know. Well, I love it. And I'll, I'll tell you what, what I have found in my brief time on this earth is you have to be your own biggest cheerleader. Yes. And yes. it's nice to have support, but at the end of the day, you have to be the one to build yourself up. And if you're yes. waiting for people to do that, you're going to be waiting a long time. Yes. And I've been working on a talk I'm doing. Um, and part of it is the law of the rubber band. Oh, yes. One of my favorites. <laughs> and I just love that. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, what's the point of being here if you just have a pulse? Oh, no, that's good. That's good. You I know, mean, you're here for something, right? Right. I mean, we have to have a better purpose than just grinding out life until we die. I mean, that just seems so depressing to me. And I've watched family members, uncles and you know, grandparents and so forth. That's pretty much what they did. They just grind it out until the end with really no, I don't mean to sound judgmental in the sense of no real significance. Like they really didn't contribute anything. It was literally just a grind for them. And, and, and so when you think about it, what was, what example was set for it before then? So we, we think in generational now. So oh sure. So uh, they were probably living, uh, coming from the example set for them, and a lot of times our parents, um, like my mom. I mean, they didn't want to buy a house. They didn't want. So when I was want to be a property owner, I'm like, I was in my twenties. <laughs> it's like I wanted I wanted a brand new car at twenty. So I. I went and bought a brand new car. I wanted a house at 26. I bought a house, but my I, I, generations before, um, I don't know. I think maybe they learned how to sacrifice so much to throw the next generation forward that they tended to neglect themselves. So not sure exactly, but like I said, it's not a judgment. It's just a reflection on, okay, what did, what did you see? And then what can you do? You know, I, we can't change what they didn't do, but we can take, what they didn't do and build. Okay, they stopped there. So how can I take my life forward so I can impact the next generation? And I well, thrust my children out there. I put my daughter, we put her in her business when she was straight out of high school. You well, I've, I've helped my 17-year-old this summer. He's not even a, a senior in high school. And yes. he's, he's already got a small marketing business going. And I told him that by the end of his senior year, he'll be well off and running as far as establishing yeah. his own way. You know, and I think it's been awesome to see him change his mindset as yes. a young person because he's given this information at school that you have to pass these tests, you have to get these grades, then you have to go do four or five years in college. And I said, whoa, I said, I'm going to stop you right there. Yes. I said, truthfully, you don't have to wait to finish college to get started with this. Yes. And so I've spent all summer mentoring him, connecting him to people and kind of showing him the ropes as far yes. as, you know, getting a, a small business going. And I would rather do that than see him rack up two or $300,000 in college loans yes. just to end up working somewhere for 20, 30,000 a year, paying it off for the next 15 years. So. And that's, and that's what I did with my daughter. And then my son, he, even though he, you know, he's, he, he's in the six figures, but uh, he's now getting uh, contract work for his voiceovers, but I've always tried to nurture them and try to take the limits off, not realizing that there's still more limitations, even on myself, that I'm having to break the the limiting beliefs, accepting, even though I pulled away from some of that, it's still that pull. And so just trying to keep them. And so my daughter has never worked for a person a day in her life. Well, I'll tell you, my son has gotten spoiled right out, <laughs> right out of the gate. Because some of his friends are working at grocery stores and restaurants and, you know, doing all the things that I did in high school, because I was told that's what you do. You just go work hard, whatever yeah. that looks like. 
and I'm, I'm not downing working hard. I think it's important, but I wasn't really taught how to work smart. Yes. I was just, I, I was just said, you just go work hard. That's, that's all my parents told me, just work hard. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to educate him on working smart and hard. So yeah. you can work hard, but if you do it smart, you won't yeah. have to work as hard as I did for as many years. Oh, I'm a witness. You, <laughs> I did a lot of hard, but but I did it so that they can see. We had a, a, a with my son. You can't quit a job until you have a job. Oh, I'm okay for you to quit a job, but that was a rule. You cannot quit a job until you have another job, and that way you're never jobless. And then you give people time enough to make adjustments if you're going to leave. And so he's always maintained that integrity, and he's always always been employed, always coming up, going, you know, growing, and then just to maintain some consistency. So I think that's the things that we pour in our youth. If you're, you're a man, you're a son. I mean, this is invaluable. It's, it's no, you know, it's going to last a long time. So I told my daughter, if that's your passion, let's go for it. And so now I find myself, now that they're grown and they're doing their thing, now here I am, I'm going to have to come back and revisit some of my advice. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting because you, you brought something up that, you know, even at, at this day and age of my life, I, I still have my certain limiting beliefs and mindsets that, mm -hmm. you know, I was thinking about this this morning when I was in reflection and doing some meditating. It's like some days it really is a battle yes. to overcome that stuff yes. that, that has held me back. Yes. in so many areas like you almost have to visualize yourself as a warrior that yes i am i'm not going to take this and i'm going to push through this yes and, and, I, and I do that almost every day it's like a, <laughs> a everyday battle and and like i said i i don't despise my age i mean i have a lot that i've learned but yet a lot more to learn um but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how old you are there's i think the day you stop fighting the day you stop realizing that there's, I, as I would tell people, I, I don't like when I'm not making progress. It's something about being stagnant or stuck or, you know, because if you stop growing, are you ready to die? Why are you, why are you, why do you want to be on the earth if you just, just want to cease? And so that's, you have to have something that makes you want to get up in the morning or, the, or the, you know, what's making, what wants, what makes you get up in the morning? What, it's like what John says, what makes you sing? What makes you cry? What, 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 you know, what, what's driving you? What's, what's going on in you? Uh, just to wake up and exist. That was the whole reason I needed that shift in 1985. I was just existing. I was ready to leave the earth. I was ready to die. I was just like, what am I here for? I was ready. I was like, you know, I, I did. I went in my basement and I told God, I don't care. I could go to hell. Just take me out of this vicious cycle, that gerbil on the wheel, just waking up, going to bed. Now we both had, we, my husband and I, we both had good jobs. We uh, had the house, the two and a half car garage, 2.5 children, because one child was a child and a half. <laughs> so, you know, we had, the, we had it all. We, we had the, you know, we, we had what most people would think was okay. But here I am, a person growing up where nobody in my family, except my grandfather, had anything. And he went and married somebody else and just left his family to, to whatever. And I'm sitting on the stoop. That's my car. That's my, you know, and I'm dreaming. And then when I look back, okay, I got the car, I got the house, I, you know, so everything that you thought you could dream of, you got it. But then you have nothing. You feel like there's, there's an emptiness. And so that was a wake up call for me. And it, it, it no longer satisfied. So if it was things and, and everything that they say you can have, so it had to be more. And I think that's where you have to get to that point where your life shifts. And, and that, that leads to you're going to do many shifts, many, I had to reinvent myself a few times. And this whole John Maxwell thing's about reinventing. And you never get too old to reinvent. So I don't know. <laughs> Sorry about that tangent, but. <laughs> no, that, that, that was fantastic. You know, and I did. I wanted to go. I want. I was ready to end my life. I really. It it, it was a point where something had to change because if nothing changes, nothing changes. And 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 I needed a change. I didn't need my circumstance to change. I needed to change. 
There you I go. needed to see something different. And, and, and that change came, and for my case, that came with me, a friend of mine invited me to church and I was sitting there and everything that was going on in me is like, I was just isolated in this spot and it was speaking to me. And I think for that time when it was over, I can't even explain it, but I knew change had come. I was, all the weights, I just, I, I literally, all the weights, everything that was on me just changed. And I said, well, maybe things that are happening, if I could be different, maybe something else can be different. I stopped looking around at my circumstances. Then I started thinking, you know what, maybe if I can be different, then maybe things can be different. And that's what started my journey <laughs> on, on, on this path, the second half of my life. Because <laughs> the whole first half, I, I can't explain it. <laughs> Some of no, it, I, I don't even I, want to revisit it. <laughs> uh, I, I understand the gerbil wheel. I mean, it's just sometimes I, I, I even look back at some of the pictures back then and I'm like, you were such a tool. I mean, it was like, <laughs> I don't even know who I was. It was like, even the way I dressed, it was like I was trying to be this West County rich guy or something. It just it's just funny now when I look back at it because I was so image oriented back then and like the car, the clothes and the house, the watch, the, you know, just everything was just all image and completely empty. <laughs> you know? and, and I realized that a lot of things you do, I, I, I had to take responsibility for things that sometimes you allow things, you don't say anything, you just kind of let it happen. You just let life just roll with you. And you, you never put yourself in that place where, yes. you know, and I, and I realized that I woke up and I was, I didn't know who I was, who I was living with. <laughs> you know, I really didn't yes. know a whole lot of things, you know, because when you're young, you think you know everything. Oh, oh I yeah. got this. Oh, oh, I yeah. got this. Oh, I I'm smart. This. I'm smart. And boy, yeah. when you get a little success when you're young, you're really <laughs> dangerous because <laughs> then there's no telling you anything. It's like, you know, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm jamming on my up, own here. I woke up just as lost. <laughs> I, feel like I, I, feel, I feel like sometimes I'm getting more lost the older I get, but maybe that maybe that's Alzheimer's or something. <laughs> well, maybe that's in order to be found. You know, sometimes you have to get lost in order to be found. Oh, I, I like that. That's that's yeah. great, Charlene. Yeah. And I got to tell you, this this has just been exactly what I expected it to be today. I mean, you are just such an awesome person. And well, thank you. <laughs> and, and you, you definitely had a very deep impact on me several months back. And the same here. <laughs> so I can say it was mutual. Yes. And I will be eternally grateful for that. And I'm really glad that you took time out of your day to, to come share about Charlene today and, okay. and share, share your why and just what, what it's all about because there's so many people out here that just don't know what it's about. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I'm, I'm learning to embrace me, not, you know, I, I, sometimes you can want to be selfless and there's nothing wrong with being selfless. And, but every now and then that there, there needs to be a little selfishness because if not, you can't give people what you don't have. And sometimes right. we're trying to give out way more, you know, if you have a lifeline, and, and you give away all your lifelines and you need leave none for you, then are you really serving people? Because now you're depleted, everyone else is full. So I learned in that, that there's sometimes you have to step back and care for yourself in order to have to be filled up and have more to give out. But if you give out everything and, and nothing returns, then, 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 then what do you have? So you really have to learn to keep refilling and replenishing yourself so that you can keep giving out and sometimes we don't stop and do that and i think that whole session with you made me realize okay you crossed that line you've gone further than you should have and so now you need to pull back a little bit and, and allow yourself to you know to fill back up and so i took a few months i really i mean it was like i i had it i was done <laughs> <laughs> Charlene was burnt out. And I, I tell you, I understand when that is coming on for me. Uh -huh. and, I, and I've learned to respect pulling back. Yes. And engaging in some self-care. 
because when I get burned out, frustrated and aggravated with everyone around me, I'm not offering anyone any value. In fact, if anything, I'm taking people's value away. Exactly. So I've, I've, I've definitely figured out those cues now. So mm -hmm. I have no problem taking a couple days. I just unplug. Yes. People will be like, where have you been? I, you know, I haven't heard from you. It's well, I'm recharging. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember even working and I'll tell them I need two days. That was my, that was their sign for me. I said, cause I was one, I'm, I'm always going to be there. I'm always going to show up. I'm going to be the overcommitted. I'm going to be the, you know, the extra, you know, like I'm extra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but when I would hit those points, I said, I would tell them, I said, I need two days. And they, and they, they understood. I just need two days. If I say I'm not coming in till noon, I just needed that four hours to be crazy. Let me be crazy for four hours. And then when, when, I, when I'm done being crazy, I'll be in at noon. <laughs> so so, so when, when I realized I've gone, I'm, I'm crossing that line with me, I learned how, and I, and I, and I told them, well, every, it, does no, it makes no sense to keep pushing. Sometimes you just need to pull back. There's a push and pull. So you need to know when to push, when to pull. And so I, I did take that time, and um, I'm just now. I think I think I'm just now coming out of that. And well, that's awesome. What perfect timing too to 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 come on our show, and I very much appreciate that. And uh, I hope that in the future you'll you'll come on for some other shows because I just. Well. I think if, you, if you will have me, <laughs> I, I, I just think you're a, a fantastic guest and just just an just an awesome person. Like your energy just just fills my day. When you send me a message or we talk or I hear you on one of our mentorship calls, you know it just makes my day. Yeah, I said, oh, I said, oh, John Burns is on the call, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think we, you know, uh, I have other GMT members. I said, I heard you on the call, and I said, I heard you on the call. I think that just even though. You know, it may seem simple, but just, again, just acknowledging, just when you think about somebody, just send a text. You don't have to have a full-blown conversation. Just, just, just to let them know, hey, I, I, I see you. I see you. I hear you. And, and, uh, and so just feel appreciated. And, and I really appreciate you. So I want to say thank you for uh, encouraging me to come on. <laughs> You're, you're, you're an awesome guest. And I'm not just saying that. Thank you. Thank you. Some people are a little challenging to interview. Okay. It's, well, like, pull, your lead. it's like pulling strings out of a blanket. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a long show. So, I think that makes for diversity, right? That well, it's, yeah. Well, you got to take, take what you get. You know, it's like if, if, if this is what I want to do. I have to learn how to adjust and, and acclimate to whatever given situation there is. But you've been fantastic. I mean, I, I just think it's been a, a great show today. And I think that you've really added a lot of value to people out there, which well, thank you. is awesome. Thank you. And I feel honored that we were able to share Charlene with the world today. Yeah. Well, thank you. Now that I know my name, yeah. <laughs> I left out that the no-name kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, thank you again for coming on the show. And, and you're I, welcome, and thank you. I hope you have an amazing time in Chicago. Yes. As soon as we get the recording of this out, I will send you the links to it. And you can share it with okay. your friends and family. Oh, well, thank you so much, and I appreciate you. And I'm excited. I'm excited for, you know, you just taking off and you're a good example too of when somebody's on fire, you know, they just, just go at it. So never let anything put out your fire. Just keep going, keep doing what you're doing. And, and I appreciate you uh, being coming alongside being in my life even now. So I really appreciate you and, and uh, I will forever be growing and change from that time. So I appreciate it. Well, sometime uh, when you're in Chicago, I'll have to uh, cruise up there and uh, we'll go out and grab a pie. They've got they've got great pizza in Chicago. Oh, pizza is good. Now we talk about pizza pie. We're not. I've known you're not talking about other pie, but <laughs> yeah, well, any type of pies are good for me. But uh, my friend sends me uh, pizzas from up there in Chicago. He sends them down on dry ice. And, oh, sounds good. Because I, I mean, that's something I'm going to get before I leave. Yeah, oh I got too many gosh. places to choose from. San Diego. They not need so a lesson in pizzas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Chicago, I'll tell you. They can make a pizza. 
I know I'm in St. Louis here, but but Chicago can definitely make a pizza. Okay. Anyway, well, I'm going to let you get on with your day, and thank you again for being on. Oh, thank uh, you're welcome, and thank you, thank you, and I, I look forward to hearing you on the calls. Oh yes, oh yes. Well, you have a safe uh, trip and uh, safe travels back home. Okay, thank you, thank you so much. All right.